Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. How's everybody doing? Good? You got a uh, Thanksgiving hangover? What's the deal? Come on. How was it? Good. Whoa, whoa. Look at what's going on here. I don't even, I've got people here that uh, someone should escort them out. I haven't seen them in a while there. No. My very good friend, James Mathis, it's so good to have you here this morning. How's everybody doing? Did you have good Thanksgiving? Everybody survived? No tragic stories or anything? Good. I'm glad you're here with us this morning. It's uh, great to be with you. Uh, we, we had a great Thanksgiving. We had all of our kids in, in the house, which is getting harder and harder to do. So it was nice to have them all there. And then, of course, they all left this morning. Good riddance. So, um, no, it was, uh, it was very, very nice. Hey, Christmas Day lands on December 25th, uh, as usual, which happens to be a Sunday. You guys didn't get that joke. Come on. You guys are like, it, on a Sunday morning, okay? Um, but I, I want to ask you a question. We talk about this often. What is church? What is church? As Eddie dumps all the water back there, don't worry about it, Eddie. We don't need water, but thank you for... <laughs> And he's done. Perfect. Oh, it's like pulling a Band-Aid off here. I guarantee you today, Rick Warren is not dealing with some guy dropping waters in the back at, their, at their, their sanctuary, but that's all right. That's why we love it here. Okay, Christmas falls on a Sunday. Now, I've had conversations. Some pa- pastors think I'm a complete heretic because I am not having a service here on Sunday morning on Christmas Day. But... What they fail to realize is you're the church. This building isn't the church. This is where we get together. This is where we hang out. This is where we worship. This is where we we fellowship, where we have pizza, all those things. But the church is you. Therefore, if that is true, on that Sunday morning, what we're asking you to do is to be the church. We're going to do home church as families. Now, I've, I've got cards that will help direct and take you there. Chris and I, we've been doing this for I don't know how many years. We do this regardless of whether it falls on Sunday or not. And over the next few weeks, I'll hand these out to you. But essentially what you'll get in this, and what I'm asking you to do as families, as individuals, is on that Sunday morning, if this is your regular church and and you're not going somewhere else, is to do church in your home with your kids. And here's what it looks like. Before Santa, Jesus. That's a tough one. Before Santa, Jesus. What does it look like in our house? Everybody comes and piles into our bed. Now, it's funny because our children are 24, 22, 20, 18, or something like that. They're all old. So now it's like they're all piled in there. And I was like, maybe we should do something different. And then Chris asked Major, to which Major said, no, Lala, we're going to have, I want to do that thing where we all get in the bed and we talk about Jesus. So, so we're going to do whatever the kid wants. So, it's, it's, so what, what do you have here? And I'm going to pass these out over the next couple of weeks. Is, is, it's a scripture. So you read this to your family, wherever you might be, before you tear into all the presents. And then after that, the next one that we have is the Christmas story. And you read that to your, your kids. Then after that, we have, uh, we'll give you communion cups you can take with you, or you can do your own as a family. And what I want to talk about over the next couple of weeks is, is, how do you administer communion? Can anybody administer communion? What does that look like? Yes. 
you can administer communion. Because we're saying, look, this day we're remembering you first, Jesus. When the world is going out and going, hey, presents and all these other, we're saying, no, 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 no. We're not going to do what the world does. The first thing we're going to do is recognize Jesus. Then we're going to rip into the presence. It's not a big deal to rip into presence. I don't care. You can have the most new cars, new houses. I don't care what you get or what you have. That's not the issue. The issue is first and foremost is Jesus. And we're going to receive communion together as a family. And then after that, this one's a little painful if you're in my house. Um, we sing songs. And we, just, we sing a couple. Of, and, and in this, this packet, there's two, uh, actually two sets that have four different songs that you can sing. But here's what we've found. It is, it's been a, a, an amazing time with our family. And uh, we want you to experience church at home. Because the reality is this. It may be the way we're doing church someday in the future. This may not exist. And the reality is this. That you are the church. So that Sunday morning, be the church. Worship fully. Give it to Jesus. And that's what we're asking. And, and again, in the next week, next week's following up, I'll have these cards for you. We'll put them in the back, take them with you, and, and use them. If you show up here, that's great. You can do whatever you want out there, but we will not be here. <laughs> we will be in our bed with all of our family. So um, I hope you'll, you'll, you'll be able to enjoy that. We're in this series in the book of James, and, and we're, we're wrapping it up. I know it's hard to believe. We started this, I think, in September. So uh, it's been a lot, uh, uh, for me, a lot of fun. I love going through books and just, just, just being able to walk through what Scripture says as opposed to just being topical, and we usually try to put a book or two in throughout the year. But, but I want to do a quick overview of the book before we finish with the very last piece that James is talking about. And the book of James is very practical. It's practical wisdom. It's wisdom that you and I as Christians should live in. It's wisdom that, that should direct our lives. It's wisdom that we can stand on and we can grab a hold of for everyday life. And, and when we face adversity, and when we face difficult times in life, James gives us some hope. He gives us some structure. He gives us some direction, and it's really good. It's really good. In James 1, he tells us what our hardships really are. If you remember that, you know, tough times are coming. And he tells us what these hard times, some of you may be in a hardship right now, but he says there are opportunities to grow, there are opportunities to mature, to be more like Jesus. And some of us, we're looking at our difficulties in life and we're looking at them like this and, and they're keeping us down and God goes, no, 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 I can turn that into something special. I can make it incredible in your life. And one, five through eight, he says this, God is trustworthy to give wisdom. And we need to act on the wisdom that he gives. I'm amazed at how many times in my life as, as a pastor, a Christian, that I don't act upon what these words say. I'm amazed at how many times the church says she's the church, raises her hand and says she knows Jesus, but doesn't act like Jesus. Big disconnect. James says there shouldn't be a disconnect. Should be one and the same. In 1, 19 through 25, he says this, those who trust in the Father to be in control to provide what they need to bring justice when the time is right, 
can afford to let go of human anger. I don't know if you remember this one. I talked about our anger, and that's a big thing for men because my wife is never angry. It's always me. And, and I talked about this, you know, when you, when you trust God with what he's doing in your life, when you understand why he created you, when you understand his purpose in life, what you do is you're able to let go of your anger because you're walking in his wisdom and you're doing what he calls you to do. In James 1, 26 and 27, he says this, if we cannot control our words that come out of our mouths, we are lying to ourselves about being followers of Christ. That's a tough one. You remember that one we talked about. We have all these Christians that run around and their, their words are harsh. Their words are lies. Their words are, and I'm generalizing because I know no one in here has harsh words. I know that nobody in this church absolutely has ever lied. I know that nobody is like that in here. But, but the Bible clearly says that, that we're seen by our fruit. And he says followers of Christ that, that can't control their, their words aren't really following Jesus. But they're missing it. In 2, 14 through 17, he talks about faith and works together. James makes the case that genuine faith in Christ results in genuine change in actions of a believer. And, and that this word truly is alive and it's active. That this word truly does change my heart. That what I was is not what I am today. That when I eat this word, when I stand on this word, when I read this word, when I meditate upon this word, I'm not the same guy that I was last year. I'm not the same husband. I'm not the same father. I'm not the same friend. I'm not the same pastor. Because this word changes you when you meditate upon it day and night. In James 3, he says this, A forest is set ablaze by such a small fire talking about the tongue just because the tongue is small does not mean it's weak your words are powerful and we talked about the fact that that words have brought down whole kingdoms that your words matter that what you speak to your wife what you speak to your husband what you speak over your children sticks with them what you speak to your co-workers and it's amazing to me you know the adage goes sticks and stones will break my bones but names will never hurt me and it's a lie I remember what people said years and years ago. I, don't, I can't feel the effects of all the broken bones I've had. The words stick deep in our souls. And James says, you need to count your words. You need to understand what you speak over your family, over your friends, over others. That there's a value and a weight to it. And then in 3, 13 through 18, he talks about what is wisdom in James's eyes application of biblical principles to real life situations there is no book that is more practical for life today than this book the word of god it transcends time it transcends people cultures this word is applicable to everything that i do in life if i'll just grab a hold of it can you imagine if the church valued this word as james says we're supposed to what could we change? What could we do? What would be different in your life and mine? In 14 through 18, he says, Godly wisdom has legs. In other words, wisdom from God produces good fruit. 
Wisdom has a production to it. Wisdom has legs and it moves and it's alive and it's active. When you apply the wisdom, it comes alive and things in your family come alive and places like your work come alive. All those things happen when you apply the wisdom of God. And I'm, I'm amazed, I'm blown away by, by I, I've got another job that I, I do besides this church thing. And uh, we, we had a, a, a big meeting, sales meeting, and they had me speak at it. And, and, and I, I had these 11 points, and probably eight of them were biblical points. And, and these guys, th- no clue, but ate it up and loved it. And, and, and literally, the CFO comes up afterwards and said, that was really good. I'd like you to do that same talk to these other people. And I'm, in my mind, I'm going, I'm just giving you biblical principles. I'm just giving you biblical wisdom. See, the wisdom of God produces fruit. It produces life. In 4, 1 through 6, he says this. You don't ask because you have proximity issues. Because of your proximity issues, you don't trust him. When your prayers change, you know your proximity has changed. What was that about? Remember proximity, being in, in, in proximation to the Lord, being in proximation to the Holy Spirit. When you have that proximity around God, things change around you. And when you have proximity issues, when the church has proximity issues, in other words, Jesus is over there on his throne, and I'm over here saying I'm a Christian, and I don't have this proximity to who he is, I'm not connected to him, I'm the furthest thing from him or away from him, then my life looks a little bit different as opposed to when I'm in his proximity. See, here's how I know I'm in the proximity of God, because my prayers change. It's not all about me. My prayers go from, oh, God, save me. Oh, God, I need. Oh, God, give me. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, to God, have mercy. God, have grace. God, forgive me. God, help him. Oh, God, heal her. Be with him. That's how I know I'm in the right proximity of the Lord because my prayers sound completely different. And James says, that is the prayer that he's talking about. In 4, 7 through 10, he says, when we submit to God, we give our lives to his authority and control. Submission to Jesus is not an event. I don't run down to the front, raise my hand and say yes to Jesus, and then go sit in my chair, walk out these doors and live like hell the rest of the week. That's not an encounter with God. That's an event. See, what the scripture does is is it grabs a hold of me and there's an event, but the event doesn't stop. It just keeps going. It's called sanctification. And I encounter Jesus each day. And I encounter Jesus in the morning. And I encounter Jesus in the afternoon. And I encounter Jesus at night. And this, this event turns into this lifestyle, which turns into this relationship. And I'm changed. That's, that's what change says happens when we submit to him. We die daily death. We step aside and go, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. Not my will, but your will. And that's so difficult because I just want to rescue my life all the time. I think I know better. When in reality, I think the creator of heaven and earth, that is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, has a little better idea than I do. But I keep grasping for it. And James says, you need to die. You need to die daily. You need to die each and every day. In 13 through 17, he hits us hard. He says, what is your life? And we talked about this. And if you were here, I had my famous favorite steamer and, and, and talked about life is just a mist. Your life, my life, gone. It's so quick. 
You blink and it's over. I'm sitting at the table with all my kids and my wife and my parents, and, and I'm looking around and we're going, what the heck just happened? I remember there's two of us and then three of us and then four of us. Now all of a sudden there's, there's grandchildren of us. And life just, I'm 56 years old, and it's like, I'm on the back end of this thing. Life is a mist. And, and, and his, whole, his whole premise there is, don't take, it for, don't take advantage of, 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 of 60 years of what you think you have left. Take today for what it is. Grab a hold of what God has for you today. Because nobody holds tomorrow in their hands. In 5, 13 through 18, he challenges our faith. Our faith. There's not a single verse, and, and I think this was last week. Uh, there's not a single verse in the entire Bible where Jesus rebukes someone for having too much faith. You know why he rebukes people? Why? Not enough faith. Not enough faith. And we talked about last week about, about healing, and James says to bring the elders together, anoint them with the oil, and, and the prayer prayed in faith will heal. And, and, and some scholars believe that's a, that's a spiritual healing, that they're, they're being healed of their sin and, and everything that they're going on. And other scholars believe that it's an actual physical healing. And I said last week, yes, and both. I believe it's both. And we're going to go down. If we're going to go down, we're going to go down praying. We're going to go down believing. We're going to go down anointing people with oil. We're going to go down believing that God still heals today. Because I've never seen God rebuke anybody for having too much faith. It's always, where is the faith? Yeah. I want to pray for people. And James affirms that in his word. The... These are the five chapters that lead up to this last statement. And the last statement that James makes in this book is, is really important. Not that anything isn't important, but, but he kind of just wraps it all up. And it's a to-do statement. It's like he says all this stuff. And throughout the, his, his, uh, his book, he talks about you know, the, the be and the do, or the be in, in Christ Jesus and the doing in Christ Jesus and how you can't separate the two, that when you encounter Jesus, it changes you so much that you've, you've, you've got this do. I've got to do something for the Lord. I'm not saved by my do. I'm saved by grace that no man should boast. It's only God. I'm never good enough. I will never be good enough. But by God's grace and the blood of Jesus and the cross, I have eternal life and salvation. But because of that relationship and that salvation, it changes me. I've got to preach the gospel. I've got to tell people, I've got to love people the way God has called me to. And James in this last piece is talking about that. It's a do statement. He says this in 19 and 20 at the end of his, his book. He says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings him back, a sinner from his wandering, will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And will cover a multitude of sins. Okay, it's Thanksgiving weekend. How many times does Nacho Libre play during Thanksgiving weekend? Probably 50. One of the classic comedies of all time. You, you haven't seen it? You need to go home, rent it right now. Okay? Like right now. And, and, and I, I look at this, I, I read this scripture, and I was thinking, God, what, what does that look like? What is that? And, and I know some of you will, will say I'm a complete idiot, and that's fine. I'm completely secure, James. Thank you. Um, but but the, this is what, we're watching it, and Chris goes, watch this scene from Nacho Libre. And I'm reading and thinking about this scripture, and then he says this. 
I'm a little concerned right now about your salvation and stuff. And I thought, well, instead of just putting the quote up there, maybe we should just, just watch it. I'm a little concerned right now about your salvation and stuff. How come you haven't been baptized? Because I never got around to it, okay? I don't know why you always have to be judging me. Because I only believe in science. But tonight, we are going up against Satan's cave, And I just thought it would be a good idea if you... Felicidades. I thought it was a... You would never see that in the Catholic Church, will you, Jeanette? <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was this picture that, you know, you, let's read that, that scripture. Oh, there we go. Sorry. We read that scripture. My brother, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And, and that, that picture is, is so profound of, of us in, in many ways that, that we try to reach people. I'm worried about your salvation. And, 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 and baptizing them right there. And, and the, the words that, that his friend said there is like, I have not considered it. I, I, I've got other things that are going on. But, but this, this scripture here in James is so... Um, powerful. James finishes his letter with a mandate to you and me. See, here's what I, I'm concerned about in the church. That we come and we leave. And then we come back and if this word hasn't changed us, that, that our lives aren't any different, then my, my concern is what have we preached? Have we really encountered the true Jesus? And, and, and James finishes this letter with a challenge and a mandate to you and me. If you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, if you, if you go, I'm in, I've made him my Savior, then, he, then he's talking to you. He's talking to me. And he says, make an attempt to bring back those among you who have wandered from the truth. Now, who is James talking about? You know, there's theologians talk about that and they make different assessments of what that means. Maybe it's those who are spiritually weak, those who uh, can't stand in the Lord, strong in the Lord, that are going back and forth and back and forth and don't, don't have strong spiritual legs. Maybe James is talking about them. Maybe James is talking about those who have never had a true encounter with Jesus. They saw Jesus, they heard about Jesus, but they didn't have that that encounter where they have this relationship with Jesus. Maybe that's who he's saying, go out and grab a hold of and bring them back in. 
Or maybe someone who is living under guilt or condemnation. Maybe James is talking about someone who, who has gone through sin after sin after sin. And, and, and you know these people, dude. I, I mean, we've all walked in it at some point where there's just such condemnation. There's such guilt that I can't pull myself out of the darkness. That I've, I, The sin that I believe that I've committed is so dark and so heinous that, that even God wanted nothing to do with me. Maybe that's who James is talking about. That you and I are to go in there and teach him and show them of God's grace. Maybe it's someone who's gone through a hardship. Maybe James is talking to that person who uh, is sick. And uh, it doesn't look like they're getting healed. Or that person who lost a loved one. Who goes, who, 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 this classic quote, I can't believe in a God if this happened, fill in the blank. Have you ever heard that one? Maybe that's who James is talking about, that you and I are supposed to dive in, grab a hold of, and pull out, save their soul. Maybe he's talking to you. Maybe he's talking to me. What does that look like? In 19, he says this. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, James doesn't tell us how. He just says that we should do it. He doesn't tell us how to do it. But, but, but what he's saying is this. He doesn't tell us how because he assumes that you and I have read his letter, that you and I have read his book. He assumes that, that, that you understand what it means to grab a hold of someone who is, is stuck in whatever area they're stuck in that we just talked about. He assumes that we'll be doers of the word, that you will be gracious and you'll be compassionate, that you'll be diligent in your prayer for your family, your friends, your neighbors, that you will meet people's practical needs, as James talked about in one, pure and undefiled religion. Is taking care of the widows and the orphans. See, what James is, is, is believing is this, that when you proclaim that you're a Christian and you read his word, you actually intake his word, digest his word, and then you do what the word of God says. So when he assumes that, is what he's saying is this, that your loving, kind words will pull your husband or your wife or your child or whomever it is from whatever they're in. What he assumes is this, that, that when you see that person that is struggling in life, that your heart will break and you're not just going to judge and go, oh, it's self-righteous judgment. You're not going to grab them by the back of the head and throw their face in the water and say, be baptized. You're going to allow the Holy Spirit to direct you in such a way that, that you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, that you hear, and the Holy Spirit says, go left, you go left, and the Holy Spirit says, go right, you go right. And the Holy Spirit says, stop and speak to that woman, and you stop and speak to her. And the Holy Spirit says, stop and speak to that man, and you stop and you speak to that man. As opposed to your crazy life that just keeps going, and every time someone pulls on your garment, you just keep going and walk right through it. James is assuming that you and I are diligently praying for others. And he sets this whole foundation for that last scripture. The whole thing is based on his assumption that you and I are actually Christians. And not just saying and raising our hands to make us feel better. So my usual joke is, is come to church twice a month, okay? I've been rebuked by my wife and others that I'm not allowed to say that anymore. 
So I will not use that as my example. <laughs> but, but, but James assumes that when you take this word in your heart, you're compassionate. He assumes that you'll take your coat off and you'll give it to the one who doesn't have one. He just assumes that by virtue of you saying, I believe in Jesus and he's Lord of my life, that when someone's in need, you'll meet that need. And, 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 and as Christians, we, we read through these scriptures and we just kind of, oh yeah, that's a nice one. That's a good one. I like that one. I'll put it on my wall. I'll put it in my car. I'll put it here. And then we'll drive right by people and never do a thing. I'll look at my wife and not stop and pray with her. I'll be in up in arms about my children and not take the time to disciple them into the word of the Lord. See, James believes that this word will change us. Therefore, he says, okay, now that you've read all this, go do it. Go do it. Verse 20 says this, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. What, what, is, what does he mean here? What does verse 20 mean? It means this, that people are dying and going to hell apart from Jesus. And you have the answer. What, what does it mean? It means this, that my only hope, my only hope is Jesus in this word. It's not money. It's not cars. It's not another wife. It's not another husband. It's not, it, it, no, the only hope I have is Jesus. What does verse 20 mean? That you and I are the hands and feet of Jesus during this Christmas season. You know what verse 20 means? That as you leave this place today and, and, and you claim Jesus to be Lord of your life and you read this word, there's a level of accountability that you now hold. We talk about the natural and the spiritual all the time. Natural and spiritual run parallel. When my kids, and even today, as they're growing up, and I would tell them something about what to do, and I'd explain to them the, the repercussions of not doing it, or I'd, I'd, I'd tell them what that looks like, there was, there was an accountability that, I, that they had once I explained it to them. Therefore, when they didn't do it, they couldn't come to me and go, oh, I didn't know what you're talking about, Dad. I'd go, no, 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 rewind. You remember that conversation we had? And you know, they go, uh, you know, they still get squirrely and stuff, but they, you know, they try to talk their way out, but you, no, 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 there's accountability. You said, and you knew exactly what I was saying. That's the natural. And the spiritual, God's word tells us when we come into this relationship with Jesus, he clearly spells out what he's called us to, how to act, and James reaffirms that in, in his book, how we're supposed to speak, how we're not supposed to be angry, how we're supposed to help the poor, the, the hurting, how all these things that he reaffirms. And, and then at that point, it, it becomes, in, it's in our hands and there's accountability. You and I will not be able to stand before God someday and say, I didn't know what you're talking about. He's going to go, no, 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 do you remember what James said and what was preached and what you've talked about in my word? 
You and I are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus this season. Some of you are going through some difficult times. Some of you are right in the middle of a big mess. God has hope. And that hope comes through his son, Jesus. And I sit in that hope. And I pray and I read his word and I renew my mind and I grab a hold of others that walk with me. And I believe what God's word says. For some of you, things are great. And God's going, look, you need to be the hands and feet. And even if things aren't going well, you're to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You don't want to know what are the greatest way to change the atmosphere in your life? If things are crappy and not going well at the moment, then go and serve someone else. And watch what will happen in the spirit. First or last, last or first, right is left, left is right, all those things. Be the hands and feet of Jesus this season. That's what James is saying. To pray and say, God, who is that in my life that you've called me to love in a different way? Who is that in my life that you're calling me to bring the hope of the gospel to? To be the hands and feet for a coworker or a neighbor. To be the hands and feet for your mom or your dad. To be the hands and feet to a sister or a brother. To be the hands and feet of Jesus for your husband or for your wife. And for some of this, it's not easy. You know the beauty of it not being easy? It's not on you. What? You just said accountability. Yeah, accountability. But it's the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in me that changes everything. Not me. Left unto myself, complete idiot. No amens. Thank you. Through the power of the Holy Spirit that, that James attests to, that Jesus attests to, that the Scripture, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I can be a different man and I can be the hands and feet of Jesus. Left unto myself, not happening. It's not happening. Be the church. Be the church. If you come to this church long enough, you're going to hear this word because I repeat it just about every week but if you go Jesus is my Lord and Savior okay be the church love well love with grace love with mercy keep your eyes open for others and if you're right in the middle of it yourself go serve someone else why because it comes full circle the beginning of James the first uh, uh, chapter in the, the verses of James said this Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let your perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. We come full circle in this. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God can use it. No matter what you're dealing with right now, God can take your situation and, and he can produce out of it. No matter what angst, no matter what addiction, no matter what anything you're going through, God can take it and he will use you and mature you and grow you in it. Now go be the church. We have hope. 
And that hope is Jesus. That hope is Jesus. That's why we're celebrating this Christmas. That's why I'm asking you to do this at home, to celebrate Jesus, to celebrate Jesus. That's why Christmas is so important. Let's worship the one who brings hope because there's no hope in anything else. There is no hope in anything else. Our hope is in Christ Jesus. And the moment you walk out this door, you are the church. Go be the church this Christmas. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time, for these men and women, Lord, and this, this book that we've been studying for the last four months, Father God. I thank you for James and his words through the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, what a, what a blessing. God, I pray now that we truly would be your hands and feet. God, in, in the difficult situations that we would trust you and, and that you would work all things together for the good of those who fear you. God, that you would take our difficulties and, and, and make us stronger. Lord, that you would use us. God, I pray that the men and women here today would have eyes to see and ears to hear God, let us not walk through this Christmas season and, and not see the hurting and not see the desperate. God, let us see, Father. And not only let us see, but let us do. Let us love. Let us be compassionate. Let us be gracious that you, Christ Jesus, might be glorified. In your precious name we pray. Amen.